This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Iowa U.S. Senator Charles Grassley. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator Chuck Grassley next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Few legislators in Washington are more active on agriculture and rural issues than Senator Charles Grassley. Iowa's senior senator is also face-to-face with dry weather, that other producers are facing this year. Well, it's kind of hard to tell right at this point, but I can measure the amount of rain that I've had at the Grassley Farm because every May the 1st I put out my rain gauge, and so far this year, May and June, I've had 8 and 4 tenths inches, whereas a year ago I would have had more than 16 or 17 inches. But when I was at 7 and 4 tenths, we had had uh, 14 at that point last year. A salute to you in working with uh, the opposite side of the aisle, with Senator Klobuchar, with also with, with Senator Tester on various pieces of policy. It's proof that in a partisan day, there can still be some bipartisanship. Well, for sure, but also for sure, except for a process that's called reconciliation that's only been used twice in the last five years, uh, it takes 60 votes to get things in the United States Senate, so when the Senate's divided 50-50, or even if Republicans were in control by 52 or 53, or the Democrats in control by 52 or 53, you got to have 60 votes to move a bill. Uh, you got to have bipartisanship. So you hardly approach any piece of legislation without seeing what Grassley bill what senator could you get to be what we call an original co-sponsor? Uh, and, uh, and that name, that name after Grassley ought to be a Democrat. Or if a Democrat's introducing a bill and he wants Grassley to help him, Grassley ought to be second. And then everybody else's co-sponsors, whether Republican or Democrat, comes after the two of us. But you almost immediately got to show that you got bipartisan support. In the United States House of Representatives, it's a little bit different. Because if the Democrats now being in the majority, uh, they stick together, and they may have a tough time st- sticking together on some things, but as long as they stick together, they can ignore the Republicans. But you can't do that in the United States Senate. Last week, our guest on this program was Senator Tester from Montana, and he expressed his concern about the consolidation that we've seen in the cattle processing industry uh, and and that consolidation and perhaps a lack of competition. You've talked about the price discovery for cattle for some time. Uh, where is this now, and, and why do you feel like your legislation is the right way to go? The reason my legislation is the right way to go is because, first of all, I had 150 farmers in Jones County, Iowa, say that it was the right direction to go, even though I'd introduced the bill without talking to them. But it's pretty simple. 
you have four big packers controlling 80% of the slaughter. Of that 80, of that 100% of that slaughter, less than 20% of it is available for the spot market. About 60% of the cattle in Iowa are marketed on a spot market basis. So you're a farmer, you call up, you're finding out that they can't take your cattle for a month. If you get a price, it's probably a lot less than other people are getting that same day. You don't really know whether you're getting a fair price because there's not enough spot market sales to know exactly what a fair price is. And uh, so uh, my bill would be pretty simple. It would open up instead of less than 20% of the market being available for the uh, the uh, negotiated price of a day, uh, it would be 50%. Now, maybe 50% is too high, but 25% must be uh, no lower than you can go because Senator Fisher's bill has it at 25%. So we, we may have to work out some compromises, and we had a hearing on this before the Senate Agriculture Committee. I think it backed up the need for our legislation. Before the end of July, we're going to have a hearing before the Judiciary Committee on the antitrust uh, aspects of it, and uh, I hope the House Agriculture Committee. I went to the House Representative's office of the chairman of that committee, talked to him a couple months ago about looking into this issue, and I thought he was open to doing that. So I hope we can pass some legislation that will get a fair price for spot market farmers and uh, be able to deliver your cattle a lot sooner than three or four weeks out. Do you have concerns about introducing government into a free market? I always have those concerns. But don't forget, the government's supposed to be a referee of our free market system to see that everybody's treated fairly. And I think I just gave you statistics that show that it isn't being a very good referee. President Biden, by executive order, is calling for some changes to the Packers and Stockyards Act and asking the USDA to take a look at this. Would this be an adequate recourse, or do you need legislation? Right now, I say we need legislation. But if there had been adequate enforcement of the Packers and Stockyards Act, over the last uh, uh, 25 years, I don't think we'd be in the trouble we're in. I think Secretary Vilsack has some ideas for more, more enforcement and more use of the Packers and Stockyards Act, but I don't think it answers the problems we have in 2021. Have you received any information from the investigation from the Department of Justice into this issue? No. I asked, first asked for the investigation 12 probably 15 months ago, and uh, several of us wrote to the Justice Department within the last uh, six weeks wanting an update on it, but they're very cautious about speaking about investigations, and maybe there's a good rationale for it, but they could say, you could say, well, you know, you'd think they could say, well, we'll have something to tell you and make public by September, October, November, but you don't even get those kinds of answers. And they're pretty consistent in doing that on a lot of different investigations. It's not just because it's an agricultural issue. But quite frankly, I'm satisfied with something that I've never been too satisfied with before, that they're willing to investigate a lot of anti-competitive activity in agriculture. There aren't a whole lot of people in the Department of Justice that knows much about farming, and consequently, 
uh, a lot of times uh, we uh, write to them, ask something to be investigated, we hardly get an answer. In this particular case, we know that they have sought documents from these packers and other things. We also know that a year ago they prosecuted Paradise, and I don't know whether it went to prosecution, but it went to a settlement. So so Justice Department's been doing some things in this area in recent months. Senator, California's Proposition 12 is set to go in effect at the beginning of 2022. One state setting a standard that livestock should be produced in a particular way for the meat to be sold in their state. Is this a commerce issue, or does California have the right to set those marks? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it violates the commerce and clause of the Article One of the Constitution, the power of Congress to regulate interstate and foreign commerce. I don't know that we've had decisions on this as it relates to specifically to the California situation. I'd be surprised if it doesn't get to the courts uh, and hopefully to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court says California can't do that. But on the other hand, there's been some federal law in the area of, of clean air and mileage requirements per gallon of gasoline in the car industry where Congress has actually more or less said California can set their own standards. And if uh, if California, if it says just California, it's going to ripple through the entire economy. And so that's important, too. There is still a lawsuit pending on the question you asked me, and it's being pursued by the national pork producers. Senator Booker, new to the Agriculture Committee, introducing legislation again that would eliminate uh, confined animal livestock feeding operations by 2040. Do you see a problem with CAFOs in the country that we should eliminate those? No. I think we have regulation that uh, that they have to meet, and it's pretty stiff regulation. I don't know the purpose of, of uh, eliminating it. Maybe uh, 30 years ago, if I knew a trend was going to the factory operation of livestock, I may have tried to do something about it at that time, but it's a fact of life, and it's a way of raising livestock and making sure that it's a controlled environment and both the animals and the consumers are better off. When corn farmers and soybean farmers were talking about renewable fuels and the ability to displace foreign oil and provide a fuel source that was renewable and better for the environment, it seemed to be the rage. But interesting now that as the country is talking about a greener policy, uh, the judicial branch has been pretty tough on E15 and on renewable fuels. Have you had a chance to speak with EPA Administrator Michael Regan, and, and do you have concerns about the, the challenges that perhaps have come now before renewable fuels? I can speak to Director Regan anytime I want to, but I haven't talked to him lately on this subject, and I'm going to wait until they kind of get their ducks lined up, what they want to do. I've discussed some of this with Secretary Vilsack, urging Vilsack to contact uh, uh, EPA, speak up for the farmers. I have no doubt that Secretary Vilsack is going to do that, both for ethanol and for WOTUS as well. And I'll enter into that discussion when it's, it's appropriate. I hope I don't have to do it as much as I did during the, the uh, Trump administration. Uh, one thing I don't think I have to worry about, it seems like Trump would make a decision favorable to ethanol. And then Senator Cruz would get a hold of him, and he would say 
something that would back off a little bit from that position because big oil was being advocated by Senator Cruz. I don't think I have to worry about a Biden EPA uh, doing uh, doing advocacy for the petroleum industry. So it'll make it a little bit easier, but I can't tell you that it's a dunk to do it for sure that everything I've talked to him about would help ethanol. I understand you're working with Senators uh, Deb Fisher and Amy Klobuchar on the Consumer Fuel and Retainer Choice Act. What would be provided here that might allow E15 to still be available to consumers year-round? It basically puts in law exactly what the Trump administration announced uh, last year. Uh, that w- And by the way, it took about four or five years to get that through the bureaucracy, but Trump did it for us. And then the court comes along and says it's a violation of the of the Clean Air Act. So we're we're trying to legislate exactly what uh, what the Trump administration thought they could do by regulation, and the court said you can't do that. Senator, let's talk about sustainable agriculture for just a second. Uh, Chairwoman Stabenow, the Senate Ag Committee, is talking about trying to find some additional dollars for conservation fund programs. But the bigger question that I have for you is how much government or what should be government's role in this carbon sequestration market that, frankly, has already begun? It's only hasn't only been uh, begun the extent to which we have uh, CRP, and that's voluntary. A farmer doesn't have to participate in it. Uh, you do have to be uh, sure, uh, afraid of uh, this administration's wanting to have 30% more land taken out of production by the year 2030. Uh, that's going to be destructive not only of agriculture, that's going to be destructive of the small communities we have that provide businesses for people to sell input or to process products leaving uh, the farm. Uh, on the other hand, we recently passed a bill that, uh, called the Grow Bill that would set up a protocol within the Department of Agriculture to bring, uh, polluters together that want to buy, uh, credits for sequestration of, of, uh, uh carbon. Uh, farmers can, uh, sequester, uh, carbon very easily and get paid for it. Now, I don't, th- I wouldn't see that. Since it's a voluntary thing, I wouldn't see that as a bad thing. Would you think that Secretary Vilsack could use CCC funds to uh, reward people for a carbon bank? No. Fair enough. Uh, At the time of our conversation, there's a lot up in the air about the infrastructure packages that are being considered. The big one is pay for, uh, and there has been discussion that the president would like to uh, end the stepped-up basis and uh, add to corporate taxes. How do you see funding infrastructure with taxes? It won't be done unless they did it by what we call reconciliation, but I don't think infrastructures, I think they can get a bipartisan agreement on that, but they'll never include doing away with stepped-up basis. We already have 50 Republicans that are saying that we're not going to change the 2017 tax bill. So that maintains stepped-up basis. That maintains the $11 million exemption for state taxes. It would maintain 1031 exchange of property. So I think those are the three things I hear from Iowa farmers that they don't want changed, and I don't want them changed. It would destroy passing on the family farm from one generation to another. 
Senator, I'd like to finish our conversation and talk about trade. Uh, a lot of individuals in Washington have given high marks to Catherine Ty, our new trade ambassador. I know that you've been in contact with her. What's your wish list for the USTR in terms of uh, U.S. agriculture and, and gaining market access? It would be uh, UK, United Kingdom, free trade agreement. It would be broadening beyond agriculture, an agreement that was announced in August of 2019, I believe, with Japan. It was basically just agriculture, but I'd like to see that expanded to uh, services and to manufacturing. Uh, I'd like to have them uh, start with a free trade agreement with uh, Kenya. I think that's uh, the first one in sub-Sahara Africa, but I think we could have a lot of free trade agreements with uh, with African nations. Uh, I do have confidence in her ability. I've worked with her when she was chief of staff on the trade part of uh, the House Ways and Means Commission. And the, I think the main thing is, if I had any criticism, it's taken a long time for him to get some negotiation going. The president has lost trade promotion authority. What will the administration need to do to have TPA restored? Wouldn't surprise me if it wouldn't be done until after the midterm elections. I believe that that this administration, because they have such close working relationships with the labor unions and they tend to be less free market oriented, it's going to be pretty tough to get something done between now and the election, fall 2022. If COVID has taught us anything, it's the value of connectivity and broadband. And again, you have a piece of legislation assisting broadband connectivity. What's in that legislation that is needed yeah. now? Well, this is beyond the $55 billion that if we get a bipartisan infrastructure bill, that there'd be that additional help. So with or without that $55 billion, it's pretty simple what we do. First of all, there's a rule that you can't get any federal funds for broadband if you got state funds. So this would do away with that restriction. So you can get federal dollars even if a locality or a nonprofit cooperative uh, got some state money. And in Iowa, that's a pretty important thing because, you know, Governor Reynolds put $100 million into broadband. And then the other thing the bill does is a lot of people have to match federal dollars if they want to get it. And this would allow to use some federal dollars that you get for another reason, a state or a community, you can use that money to, uh, to match federal broadband dollars. Senator Grassley, we want to thank you very much for your service to agriculture over the years. We appreciate the work that you're doing now on behalf of agriculture and rural America. Thank you for being on this edition of Open Mic. Senator, it is Open Mic, and you've got the last word today. Well, just think of the importance of agriculture. Two percent of the people producing food for the other 98 percent, about a third of our production goes overseas. Think of the importance of agriculture, the two percent of the people that are doing it for national defense. You know what Napoleon said, an army marches on its belly. Or you can say nuclear subs stay underwater. I'll bet you know the answer to that until they run out of food. So you can see the importance of agriculture for national defense. 
also agriculture is the family farm as an institution of American agriculture is the most efficient institution to produce food. Uh, you can compare it to the Soviet system or the Chinese system. Well, the Soviet system doesn't exist anymore, so this isn't so much a problem in Russia, but it was. Uh, they they just didn't have the productive capability when you when the government tells you you go to the field at 9 o'clock and you leave the field at 5, you leave a third of your wheat rotten in the field. So you got plenty of efficiency of American agriculture to prove that maintaining the family farm is good all around. Productivity, it's the safest food, the most abundant food, the most affordable food. In other words, the consumer in the United States spends less of their discretionary income on food than any other consumer in the world. So, you know, everything about American agriculture is good, good, good. Our thanks to Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally. 